Amen. Well, welcome and good morning. Glad to have you all here to worship with us. If you are a guest, uh, we talk about our Next Steps tab a lot, and so it is just in the bulletin we have this tab that you can rip out. If there's something you want to pray about or you're just a first-time visitor or, or you want to take some sort of next step, just rip this out of your bulletin, fill it out, and you can put those in either of the offering uh, plates that are in the back, and I get those each week, look over them, send them to the right places, or if it's prayer, uh, then we just pray for you. Uh, in, in the spirit of Thanksgiving coming up, I just wanted to, as pastor of this church, just wanted to just say how thankful I am to be part of such a generous and, and gracious church, uh, and we just had pastor appreciation month and man what a blessing i just speak on behalf of the pastors thank you for blessing us during that month specifically but then just all year long i just feel like it is such a a giving and generous church so i thank you for that we'll go ahead and open your bibles to james chapter one james chapter one we're going to go through today verses 21 through 25 and we're talking about god's mirror and now this isn't something that he needs to look into this is something that we look into. So James chapter 1, we'll start in verse 21 in a second, and we've covered a lot of ground in the book of James. We're, we're going through that book of the Bible right now, and in James chapter 1, it's largely been about trials, and he's talked to us about joy in trials, growth in trials, wisdom in trials through asking through faith, trials of poverty and wealth, trials of temptation, and then God's gift from the immutable or unchanging God and then, most recently, last week, we talked about the trial of anger. And today, we're talking about looking at ourselves in God's mirror, the thing that He has provided for us to really examine ourselves. So I want to begin today with asking you this question or kind of this statement to imagine living life without a mirror. Can you imagine that for a second? Imagine living life without a physical mirror. Now, during this time period, their mirrors would have often been highly polished pieces of metal that they'd look at their reflection in, and so they'd be able to see themselves that way. But if you can imagine how many times even today or how much time you spent looking into a mirror. And imagine if you didn't have that. Now, some people, uh, quite frankly, sometimes we struggle uh, to look our best anyway, even with mirrors. And then imagine if there were no mirrors for us to look at ourselves. I, uh, years ago, I started doing this thing uh, when I was in the Air Force, and it was a time period where they were really strict on regulations about haircuts. They're less so now. And so they wanted me to get a haircut every single week. Now, I was a young airman, and I didn't want to afford that. So I went and bought myself clippers, and I just taught myself how to cut my hair. And I've been doing it for, I guess, around 20 years, something like that. Now, let me tell you what would be impossible, cutting my hair without a mirror. It'd be kind of fun probably to see me try, right? It'd be interesting for me to, to make that attempt, but mirrors are important in this world. They're a really good de a device that, that we probably take for granted that every single day you look at a mirror just to see what the outside world is going to see on your face and your outfit and things. So what is the spiritual mirror? Do you look into it? And if you do, how does it change you? So that's what we're talking about today. And let's start in James chapter 1 and verse 21. It says, Therefore, ridding yourselves of all moral filth and the evil that is so prevalent, humbly receive the implanted word which is able to save your soul. So first I want to ask this. Why do we even need a spiritual mirror? Now, that's kind of a, a silly question if I said, well, why do you even need a physical mirror, something for you to look into? You, you know what you look like when you get out of bed. 
And you know that if you had just had to go around all, all society looking how you look when you first roll out of bed, you wouldn't be very comfortable with that. And yet, when we think of how do we look spiritually, I wonder how often we, we wonder what does the rest of the world see with us spiritually? So why do we need a spiritual mirror? Notice there in verse 1, he starts off with therefore. Anytime you see the word therefore, you're supposed to examine the context. And he had just said in verse 20, if you look at that with me quickly, he says, for human anger does not accomplish God's righteousness. He had told us to be quick to listen, slow to speak, slow to anger. Well, why? Because human anger doesn't accomplish God's righteousness. In other words, I am supposed to accomplish God's righteousness with my life, with how I act, with how I treat people. That's what I'm supposed to do, is to accomplish God's righteousness in this world. Therefore, he says, rid yourselves of all moral filth and the evil that is so prevalent, and humbly receive the implanted word which is able to save your soul. So that word rid, when it talks about ridding, ridding yourselves of moral filth, we may not catch it completely, but in the Greek, he's painting this picture or this image of laying aside or taking off almost like you have dirty clothes. And then he says another image there. He talks about moral filth. So I, I brought this uh, mirror up here today. And so uh, it was always a nervous thing when you're transitioning between song and stuff to, to have a guy carrying a mirror on a rickety easel. I was, that could have been spectacular. It really could have. But if you, if you were to look at a mirror, and have you ever had one of those moments where you had a stain on your shirt or something, and you walked around all day, and it seemed like no one told you? Just, just no one pointed out to you, and then finally you get to someone who's an actual friend of yours, and they're like, hey, did you know you have that right there? They didn't mind telling you at all. They're like quick to do it. Well, it's almost as if when he says, take off, take off the moral filth, it's like you have a dirty shirt on. It's like there's things on you that you need to remove. So just like when I get up for a Sunday morning, if I were just to go grab a, a shirt out of a dirty uh, laundry hamper and put that on, my wife would be right and tell me, don't put that on. Use a clean shirt. Well, oftentimes we have moral filth in our life that we need to remove. Why do we need a mirror? We need a mirror because there's all sorts of things in our lives that we need to know about. That we may be walking around with, with essentially a dirty shirt. We may be walking around with things that don't accomplish God's righteousness in this world. So what does it say next? It says, Therefore, ridding yourselves of all moral filth and the evil that is so prevalent, meaning it's common, it's widespread, it's all over including potentially you, including potentially me. It's very easy to look at other people and say, this is the moral filth in their life. We, we don't have much difficulty doing that. In fact, when we see a friend walking around with a dirty shirt on, we don't have any trouble seeing that. And that's why we need mirrors. That's why we need something to reflect back on us so that we, for once, instead of just looking at other people and all their problems and all the things that they do, we take a second to look at us. So the evil that is so prevalent, look at the next part. Humbly receive the implanted word, which is able to save your soul. He tells us to humbly receive it. So receiving it implies that I have to accept it. So again, if I'm getting ready on a Sunday morning and I have a, uh, <clears throat> my wife really helps me out 
I do not understand matching. It just all sorts of things that uh, I, I like to keep a minimalist, uh, a minimalist wardrobe, not because I'm a minimalist, but because I just don't get it and I'd like to make less decisions. There was a point in time where I asked my wife, I would just like to buy seven of the same outfits and wear it every single day, maybe 10 so that you have some backups, but the same outfit. And she just said, no, that's weird. You can't do that. So I don't. But I tried to buy almost the same shirt and almost the same pants. They're just a little different, so I technically am wearing a different outfit. So on Sunday mornings, oftentimes, it's uh, me walking out of the closet with a shirt on, and my wife like, you know that look that your wife can give you when you're, you're like, what you put on is not the thing you should have put on, and she just, I'm like, all right, it doesn't match, does it? No, that doesn't match. So this says, humbly receive the implanted word. You see, something that we have to do is we have to receive instruction with humility. It's one thing for me to see a reflection or to get the advice of someone saying something is wrong. It's another for me to be humble and receive it. And there's two parts to receiving the word with humility. And the first one is admission of sin. In your notes, I have listed 1 John chapter 1, verses 8-9. through 9. It says, If we say we have no sin... We are deceiving ourselves, and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and righteous to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. You see, we have to admit that there's sin. This is a difficult part. It's a painful thing sometimes to look into a mirror. When, when you're walking around in life thinking, I look really good, and then you look at, you know how you walk into some of those rooms that have lighting that you're like, the most beautiful person in the world would look terrible in this lighting. For some reason, it feels like all, all mirrors are like that, right? That I'm walking around thinking I look good, and then I look in a mirror, and I'm humbled. I have to, admission, I have to admit sin. That's a difficult thing about our spiritual reflection, is that even to be a Christian, I have to admit that there is sin in my life. This says in 1 John 1, it says, If we say we have no sin, we're deceiving ourselves, and the truth is not in us. But the good news, of course, is verse 9. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and righteous to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. We have to receive that instruction. And the second reason is, uh, or the second reason or way we have to receive the word in humility is we have to surrender. We not only admit things, but there has to be a surrender. I quote this verse often, Romans 10, 9. It says, if you confess with your mouth, Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. I'll highlight that word, Lord, that word, Master. I have to surrender to him. You see, it's one thing if, if uh, I walk out of the closet and I'm wearing something that I don't, or I think matches, and my, my wife says, no, it doesn't match. And, and so then I come out and I say, okay, well, I'll try something else. There's been the occasional time that for some reason in my hubris, I've disagreed with her, and I don't know why, because I don't understand matching, but I'll walk out, and she'll say, that doesn't match, and I'm like, I think it does. <laughs> now, I'm not foolish enough to actually walk outside, and what she said was bad, but there are times when I feel like I disagree. Well, sometimes we want to be Lord of our own life. When he says in verse 21, therefore, ridding yourselves of all moral filth and the evil that is so prevalent... You may disagree with God. You may think the things in your life, you have every right to, to do them, to think them, to say them, whatever it is. You, you may disagree with God that there is moral filth or evil that is so prevalent. You may disagree you don't think it's in your life. 
It's very easy to identify it in other people, but sometimes we don't pause and look at ourselves in the mirror and say, maybe there's something with me that I ought to work on. So I have to receive the word with humility. But then it talks about it being the implanted word or the engrafted word. It's almost like thinking of a transplanted tree or taking a seed and putting it into something. And this is consistent with the rest of the scripture. In Jeremiah 31, it says this, I will put my teaching within them and write it on their hearts. I will be their God and they will be my people. No longer will one teach his neighbor or his brother saying, Know the Lord, for they will all know me from the least to the greatest of them. This is the Lord's declaration. For I will forgive their iniquity and never again remember their sin. This is the word of God that is able to save your soul. It's, it's a thing that's not just done by obedience, but by the word of God that is placed in your heart to transform your life and save your soul. So then this next part, after he says, Therefore, ridding yourself of all moral filth and the evil that is so prevalent, humbly receive the implanted word which is able to save your soul. Now this last phrase, the able to save your soul, this speaks to two people groups. Those two people groups are present in this room today. The first people group is, is the one that doesn't realize that they're lost. The one that might say, saved from what? You say, it's able to save your soul. Save your soul from what? What do I need to be saved from? It's the punishment of your sin. That you have a holy God. And evil and sin will not be in his presence. And, and unless you have Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you are separated from him. And that means if you're separated from him, you'll be separated from him for all eternity in a real place called hell. But the word of God is able to save your soul. The death, burial, and Je- the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ is able to forgive you and save you. But you have to receive him. You have to humbly receive the implanted word. I pray that day is today. That if you didn't realize until now that, that there are things about you that are sinful, that the God of all creation would call sinful, things that you need to ask forgiveness for and to be saved from, I pray today is that day. But really, I think the context of this is talking to Christians. He starts off in verse 19, if you'll look at that quickly. He says, my dear brothers and sisters, understand this. And that sets the context both for his discussion on anger and then his statement about accomplishing God's righteousness and then his process of saying how by ridding myself of moral filth and evil that's so prevalent and humbly receiving the word which is able to save your soul. You see, when he says this to a Christian, I don't need to be saved again. I've received the word. So why does he say that to a Christian? Because it's almost like reading a credentials. It's almost like saying to the Christian that said, yeah, I profess faith in Christ, but I don't want to receive the rest of the word. Uh, yeah, I've, I've professed faith in Christ, but I don't want to obey anything that he asked me to do. And so he, he reminds them of the power of this word, the power of the thing that we often ignore, the power of, of the mighty word of God. This is the word that can save your soul. And if you are a Christian and you've accepted this truth, then he is saying, so therefore obey it. Therefore look into it. Therefore receive it. So the first point in your notes is this. Remove the sin. Receive the word. Remove the sin. Receive the word. 
Why do we need to look into a mirror? Because there are things about us that need changed. If I popped out of bed looking as fresh as I ever was going to look, I wouldn't need a mirror. If I didn't have, uh, have to shape my beard, and let me tell you, I look like a fuzzy, scary creature if I don't shave, trim my beard. If, I, if it just grew in perfectly, if, if your hair just always looked exactly like it does on the best day, you may not need a mirror. But it's not like that in life. Spiritually, it's not like that either. Spiritually, a person who is separated from God needs to know that they are a sinner before a holy God. Spiritually, a Christian needs to know that just because I've given my life to Christ doesn't mean my spiritual walk is done. In fact, it's just begun. And now the process of discipleship ought to be taking place in my life because there is moral filth in my life. And like a dirty shirt, I need to take it off. So then that leads to the next part. I'm going to read verses 22 through 24. It says, But be doers of the word, and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. Because if anyone is a hearer of the word, and not a doer, he is like someone looking at his own face in a mirror, for he looks at himself, goes away, and immediately forgets what kind of person he was. So the mirror that I'm talking about today is the word. And the question is, how do we use it? So verse 22 starts off this line of thinking. It says, but be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. Now that's a pretty straightforward statement. Just like uh, last week when I talked about verse 19 is pretty easy to understand. My dear brothers and sisters, understand this. Everyone should be quick to listen, so to speak, and slow to anger. Being doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving ourselves, that's an easy one to understand intellectually. It's a difficult one to put into practice. I uh, had this guy one time, I'd, I'd preached a sermon at a church, and the church was undergoing a, a building project. And, and I know that during any change, I've preached about this here before, anytime there's change, there can be a significant, almost revolt against that change. In fact, um, if it, studies have shown that even a change like a name change in a church, you can lose 10% of, of your church members, right? I mean, that's just, that's just wild. So I preached a sermon on being angry about the right things. That, that was the whole purpose of the sermon, that, yeah, we may have amber, anger, but let it be righteous anger and let it be directed toward the right things. I wonder if you've ever been angry in church before and you've maybe not asked yourself, am I angry righteously? Am I angry toward the right things? Sometimes we just assume that we're angry toward the right things. And so I preached this sermon and afterward, I had a heavy gospel presentation in there. And afterward, this young man came up and he wanted to give his life to Christ. And so he was in a side room, a previous church where they were talking to, to people who were counseling through the Roman road. So this young man is receiving Christ. And then a grown man comes up to me, and I could tell it wasn't going to be a friendly conversation. He was kind of red in the face. He was kind of mad, and he starts to lay into me, and he starts to talk to me that there was this building project going on, and he was a contractor, and how come he didn't receive an opportunity to bid, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And he was mad. Well, I didn't have anything to do with selecting contractors. That, that had nothing to do with me. He was mad and I had just preached a sermon on being angry about the right things. Now, I get it. It's his livelihood. I get those things. And then I found out that the young man in the next room receiving Christ was his son. He is sitting there mad about worldly things while his son is accepting Jesus Christ 
as Lord and Savior. When this says, but be doers of the word and not hearers only deceiving ourselves, I just want to put this charge before Christians. Christians, do you examine yourself through the word? Do you work to chasing yourself, reading the word of God and saying, that applies to me? When I read a second ago, Romans 10, 9, saying that we confess Jesus as Lord, what Lord means is master. Master means that I don't get to do just whatever it is I want to do. I don't get to say, well, I'm just that way. Yeah, I, I'm impatient. I'm just that way. Yeah, I, I have a sharp tongue. I'm just that way. I don't get to say those things. Because if I am actually a Christian, that means Jesus Christ is Lord of my life. That means the Word of God has authority over me. And if that is the case, then I need to change. Because verse 23 says, Because if anyone is a hearer of the Word and not a doer, he is like someone looking at his own face in a mirror. That word, his own face, it actually has the word there, Genesis. Which is a, you've heard of the book of Genesis, I'm sure, in the beginning. So it has the word Genesis, and that can have the meaning here. You look at your original face, your face from the beginning. Now, if I said, tell me about your original face today, right? <laughs> tell me about the one that started off the day, not the one that after you've taken a shower, maybe ladies put on makeup, maybe guys trimmed your beard. Tell me about your original face today. It's a different story. So he says, verse 23, if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like someone looking at his own face in a mirror. Verse 24, for he looks at himself, goes away, and immediately forgets what kind of person he was. Now, what does that mean? I've got some different little cards here today. So these are just some things I could have chosen. So I have lust, hatred, pride, gluttony, jealousy, greed, could have chosen a lot of others, anger, uh, just thought I could only fit six in here, so uh, that's what I did. I could have said lack of empathy, lack of love, could have said all sorts of things, but what this is saying, it's going back really to, to verse 20, 21, therefore ridding yourself of all moral filth. So what if I'm a person who I really struggle with these things? Let's put the first one up here, lust. This is on my dirty shirt. Let's say hatred. I really struggle with hatred. So, now that's on my shirt. Let's see the next one. Pride. So I got pride on me. And that's what I represent to the world. That's what I show to the world, even if I don't know it. You know, Scripture often talks about sin as if it's clothing we put on or take off. And that may not make a lot of sense, but just in the same way that an outfit can kind of be our outward expression to the world. Imagine someone that you feel like is a, a bitter person, an angry person, someone who's condescending. And when you think of that person, you don't think of them maybe as an image bearer, someone made in the image of God. You don't think of all the other great things they've done in their life. You think of that personality as if that personality is the thing that, that adorns them. This is who they are. Oh, that person's always critical. Oh, that person's always negative. That person's always condescending. That person's mean. That person's selfish. It's like clothing. That it's come to represent that person. It's come to cover everything else about them. Gluttony. And I'm just picking a few. 
The Bible's filled with all sorts of things. That's why it's not a quick study. Let's see, jealousy. Never jealous of anyone. There it is on my dirty shirt. Greed. I could have put all sorts of things on here. If you didn't hear your sin, look through Scripture. Your sin's in there. When this says in verse 23, because I, if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he's like someone looking at his own face in a mirror, his original face in a mirror. For he, himself, or he looks at himself, goes away, and immediately forgets what kind of person he was. So imagine today you get up with a dirty shirt. You get up with a dirty shirt, your hair is a mess, you need to do some work on yourself. You get up, you look into a mirror, and you see all these things that are wrong. Now what do we do when we see things wrong in the morning? If our hair is a mess, we do our hair. If we have a dirty shirt, we change our shirt. What he says is the person who hears the word but doesn't do the word is a person who looks at his original face and then walks away and forgets what kind of man he was. So I look here and instead of taking off all of these things that are on me, all these things that are the representation of me who is a professing Christian, they represent me to the world instead of saying, Oh man, I need to, I need to get rid of that. I, I need to take this off. I need, to, I need to change that. Instead of doing that, I say, oh, that's bad. Those, those are bad things about me. Well, all right, I'm going about my day. Now, Christian, do we do that with the Word? You see, sometimes people don't read the Word at all. And some people would say that, well, I don't like to read. And I'd say, there's all sorts of things that Christ may call you to that you don't like to do. I'm saying, read the Word humbly receive the implanted word which is able to save your soul read the word of god this is the word that gives life it can take person from eternal death to eternal life it can transform you do you hate reading so much that you would risk your family do you hate reading so much that you would allow a co-worker to go to hell because there were things about you, you had things on you, maybe it's anger, maybe it's hatred, maybe it's things, things that ruin your witness, and so therefore you never an effective witness to that person because you never looked into the mirror and you never transformed yourself, and so you destroyed your witness. This says, if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like someone looking at his own face in a mirror, for he looks at himself, goes away, and immediately forgets what kind of person he was. Verse 25, but the one who looks intently into the perfect law of freedom and perseveres in it and is not a forgetful hearer, but a doer who works, this person will be blessed and what he does. So what happens as I stare intently into the mirror? I start to see things about myself. It's God's spiritual mirror. As I open this up and I examine it and I start to see myself and I start to see the different things in here, it switches from calling it the word to calling it the perfect law of freedom. And even those words, law and freedom, those seem the antithesis of each other. They seem opposite. How can it be law and freedom? Because the law of God is meant to set you free. Because you can't be free on your own. The law of God is meant to show, show you that you have a dirty shirt on. It's meant to show you have all of these things on you. And so, as I see in Scripture, it is sinful to lust. And I surrender myself to Christ and His Lordship. I am, I am liberated from it. And as I see that it is a sin to hate, I surrender myself to Christ. 
I'm liberated from it. The perfect law of liberty, as I see myself in the mirror that God has given us, that it is not just a book that you read, it is a book that reads you. And if I receive it humbly, my whole life is transformed. So as I see sinfulness like gluttony or or sloth or jealousy or condescension or gossip or, or greed, as I see those things in the perfect law of liberty, I change. Because I've looked intently into the mirror, the Word of God, and I've seen that I don't live like He would have me live. And so I live differently. Like a person who looks in a mirror and sees that their, their hair is a mess, their shirt is dirty, and so they change it. Christian, first of all, pick up the Word of God. A little every day. Read a little, as much as you can, every day. Make a, a time of dedication Each day, when you miss a day, don't say, well, I've blown the whole thing. Go back the next day. This is the word that you need in you. But then as you read it, let it change you. You see, the other verse said that we had to humbly receive the implanted word. As you look in the mirror, it can be a very humbling experience. You're going to see things that you don't want to see. You're going to see things that are there that you don't want to change. You're going to see things there that require work. They may require humility beyond just being humbled there. You may have to have a conversation that you didn't want to have. God calls you to it. Because the last part of verse 25 says this. This person will be blessed in what he does. Now, this isn't a promise that everything you go do will be a blessing. It's using that same word, the doer. Be a doer of the word. This person will be blessed and what he does. Meaning if you go around doing the word of God, that is blessed. Let's pray.